Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of the Runner's World Podcast, the weekly podcast bringing you all the latest running news, views, and interviews. I'm Rick Pearson, the Runner's World Section Editor, and I'm here with Ben Hobson, the Digital Editor. Ben, what have we got coming up on this week's episode? Well, this week we are talking all things 100 miles ahead of your own North Downs Way adventure <laughs> slash baptism of fire at the weekend. <laughs> so who better to join us than ultra runner and previous guest, Susie Chan? Yeah, sounds good. How are you feeling? Cool, calm, collected. <laughs> I think I'm going to win. Good. No, no, that's not true. I am a, uh, I'm a bag of nerves and excitement, actually. Good about it, but I think that like with a with a real challenge, a bit of fear in the mix yeah. is probably a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, oh, so. you, if you if you turn around and said, "Fine," <laughs> how do you feel about running 100 miles for the first time? I'm fine. The, yeah. Then I would be way more concerned. No, I'm really not. Like I've I've run 100k before, so that's still it's still 40 miles shy. Yeah. Um, and there's lots and lots of of unknowns. I mean, that's why it'd be nice to, to talk to Susie. And hopefully, the advice she gives will be broad enough that if anyone else is planning an ultra challenge yeah well let's not make it all about you um <laughs> well i was going to ask about you are you more tempted now to have a go at an ultra marathon having followed my journey with such interest uh yeah for sure i think that all of these things i'm never um with anything running related i'll always like not be a no <laughs> not not be a, it's like an outright no yeah. to begin with yeah um i don't know i think that location and things like that make such a massive difference. Mm. I think that road marathons are actually sometimes the worst way to get into longer run stuff. Yeah, I think that's really true. Um, I think that's really true. And I think that the idea of doing a longer thing, like the Jurassic Coast, which I love, mm. just like going on holiday and walking around, like if I'd happily spend some time on that. And I know that'd be awful, like brutal, but mm. I'm kind of like, well, it's really nice to look at. I think that matters. I mean, the... um one of the warm-up races that I did was the country to capital 45. And, yeah. that, and that's basically the first 26 miles kind of towards Oxfordshire to, towards London. And mm. it's off-road and it's and it's hilly. And then you hit a canal and you think, oh, you hit a canal? That's the easy bit. But the mental monotony of the canal <laughs> yeah. makes it really difficult. So I think somewhere beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that is another reason. I mean, I love the North Downs Way, but there are definitely parts of it such as when you run past Borstal. Yeah, of course. That are a challenge mentally. So I'll be interested to see what Susie has to, what advice she has. Great. Right, let's bring in our guest of the week. Jingle time. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio. Or a complete unknown. Welcome to the studio, Susie Chan. Thank you very much for having me back. Yeah, great to have you back. Um, so we've written about 100 miles being the new marathon. Mm. We wrote about it a few years ago uh, in the magazine and the sort of pretense that 
marathons just aren't good enough anymore. If you want to be, a, you know, if you want to be a real hardcore runner, they no longer possess this magic that you've got. A, you, you know, twenty six point two is no longer good enough. So, do you agree? I thought about this actually, and when you uh, get in a car and drive for twenty six miles in a straight line, you realise how far it is. <laughs> a marathon, by no small stretch of the imagination, is difficult. It really is difficult, and for you know only a tiny tiny percentage of the global population will be able to do a marathon so mm. i still think a marathon is an absolutely massive achievement however 100 milers are becoming increasingly popular and more so if you go to i was recently in america and um i was having a conversation with a lady i was actually looking after a checkpoint in in quite a big race and uh, she said and in a not at all arrogant way oh well i've only done 300 milers you know so i'm, I'm relatively new to the sport and i was and i was like oh my gosh that is, yeah. so that's actually quite big in in america it's very very common 100 miles is, is quite a common distance and there are literally loads to choose from yeah. so it's becoming i think it's becoming more normal and i don't think it takes away from the road marathon because and I think we'll ask Rick this in in a few weeks' time. <laughs> there is there is something very very hard about running twenty six point two miles if you're aiming for a certain pace. Yeah. It's incredibly difficult. And I've had I'd say equally tough moments in ultra marathons as I have had in a marathon. Yeah. It's a tough thing to do. So I don't think it should take away um, from the difficulty of a marathon. However. They are so much more popular today. Okay, then. So what <laughs> advice would you give to anyone uh, considering running a 100-mile race? So the, the most important thing, and this is absolutely crucial, that you've got to want it. You have got to want it because mm. you, that will be when the going gets tough because it will undoubtedly get tough at some point. That is got to be the thing yeah. you draw on because I did quite a few ultras and multi-stages and things before uh, and people go you've got to run 100 Susie 100 miles it's the thing you know it's the race to do it's the ultra marathon yeah. distance and uh, I resisted for a good couple of years um, and then one day I just woke up I thought I want it and now I want it and that's that's what you need because if you're not sure if you you know you're like mm, I don't know if I really want to finish then you're going to find it so much more difficult yeah so that, that's that, the crucial thing I mean you've got to there's got to be a yeah the resilience to to keep on plugging away yeah. if you haven't got that because there will be a point there, there will be a point where it, I'm going to say points Rick <laughs> Multi- <laughs> plural multiple points yeah. but there will be a point and normally I know this happens in any race distance I've had this happen to me two miles into a park run two thirds for me anyway my experience is two thirds of the way in to any race you suddenly think this is ridiculous yeah. <laughs> actually half marathons 10k's two thirds of the way and it's suddenly really really difficult yeah. um, and that is the point where you need to really draw on the reasons why you're there and you know sometimes and I've been at that point and thought I actually don't know why I'm here <laughs> um, and, and being mentally ready for that point and if you want it then you can get there yeah. it's all about the desire to get to that finish and that's all you need you know you can train incredibly hard but if you don't want it in your heart then mm. it's going to be so hard I mean you finished mm. that Florida one. Oh yeah I liked that one. Did you like that one? I think so. It's hard because you have. Because <laughs> I looked at the ma- I looked at the route and I was like, that does not look like a. Fl- what, what is this? The Florida Keys. The Florida Keys. So you run from um, Key Largo to um, to Key West, and it's basically a straight mar- a straight road. Yeah, I've driven that. Yeah, yeah I've driven. Yeah, and yeah. then you go you go slightly right at uh, sixty four miles, which is terribly <laughs> exciting. But the thing about that was, it, it sounds beautiful, but actually you're running along a freeway for for quite a lot of it. Mm, yeah. Um, and uh, the. Re- 
really beautiful bits. We were like looking forward to these beautiful beaches. It was pitch black because we got there at night, so <laughs> couldn't see a thing really. So <laughs> it was good. That was a, I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed the purity of that one. Got it. Pretty much. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, you. But that's a real Rose. test. That one. Was that? Did you find that one? That I, was... That's my favourite one I've done actually. Really. The, my favourite one. The, the the hardest one I did was around a four hundred meter track. Right. It mentally mentally tough in in that sense because, I mean. You, I, I did it purely to see what would happen because there was there's no nothing. You talked about things being beautiful. There was you know you can distract yourself with yeah. the mm. things to get to. Yeah. Um, it wasn't point to point. I was literally going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a hundred hundred plus miles, and it was uh, that was it was in, very interesting that one. Um, mentally, that was quite tough uh, mm. because of that reason. But I'm very excited for you, Rick. Thank you very much. I'm kind of excited as well. Are you? Um, what are some of the rookie errors, though, that people make when stepping up to the distance, do you think? So I think the, the biggest mistake, um, and I know this purely from experience, is going out too fast. I mean, it, you, you, it's really tough. Like in any race, you're at the start line. It's very exciting. You know, you just mm. there's a lot of tension, especially in a 100 miler. And the um, you can start of what you think is a slow pace but mm. you need to be going even slower than that because you need to maintain that for a long time so it's trying to hold back um, at the start and um, making sure you eat before you get hungry because the, the 100 milers boil down to, to two things I'd say you've done the training mm. it's your head and your stomach and you need to keep those two things on side and if you keep those two things on side it doesn't matter how much physical pain you're yeah. in <laughs> you, you'll get there you'll yeah. really get there that's good yeah. yeah so making sure you eat regularly before you feel hungry and just getting the calories in and it's, t- it's taken me a very very long time to get my nutritional strategy right because um for me you might be very lucky you might be one of those people that stomach you know that, that can eat food as you mm. go but um it's always been a bit of a struggle for me so um i relied a lot on liquid calories yeah well, well i was speaking with um robbie Britton. i'm sure you know Susie. yes um, very, very good ultra runner yes. and coach. And he said, uh, tell me what your nutrition strategy is, Rick. And I, I told him, he's, and he was like, he really was like, that's not enough calories, mate. Yes. You really need to think Did about... Did you just tell him, I've been making my own gels? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was sort of talking, I used words like sweet potato, homemade gels. And uh, he gave me a sort of thorough talking to Good. It was good. Mm-hmm. It was good to, because um, I think you can underestimate that side of things. It's absolutely uh crucial mm. for me particularly in in those long distance races it's very very hard uh, to to keep the nutrition going because your stomach kind of goes but if you um, eat regularly then you're um then you, you what will happen to you is you'll feel uh, probably a little bit unwell because all the blood goes to your stomach yeah. after you've eaten but then what happens in maybe about 10 minutes time you will feel rejuvenated again you'll feel a little bit better and you'll be able to keep running it will be Peaks and trough, I think, from that from that yeah. point of time in the race. Yeah. All right. Keep on top of it. Keep on top of it. Try and be positive throughout, I think. I don't think there's such a thing as an easy 100. No, right. Um, but you will be uh, fine. Just keep moving forward is the mantra. Yeah. And do you know what my main... For all of these sort of longer races I've done, the main thing which I have um, has kept me going, I just keep telling myself, this is one day in my life. Mm. Yeah. It's just one day. And then I always think, this time tomorrow... I'll be doing, you know, X, Y, Z, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this time tomorrow, you know, and those are what I use to distract myself when I'm feeling a little bit bleak. Uh, I think that's really good because when you think like 100 miles or 50 miles, whatever people are planning for, like that feels preposterously big, doesn't it? Mm. But if you actually like, this is this is one day of my life, mm. like in the grand day. scheme of things. Mm. Yeah. And you're able to literally a day. do one day. Yeah. You want to do 24 hours. Ideally. 
Yeah. But I mean, yeah. So there you go. There's one day. It's, it's one day. It literally is. It's one day in your life. Yeah. And and then, you know, I, I think about, you know, uh, two days time with with your buckle, you know, and how, and how you feel afterwards and all of those things are what you need to draw on. So I would say have a, a, a strategy, have a nutritional strategy, mm. and have a mental strategy ready, um, a sort of ammunition of, of things. And uh, you've got a pacer. Got a pacer. Got a pacer. So, you know, have them understand you and have a little conversation with them beforehand yep. um, about how um, to deal with you if you get into certain <laughs> states. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some tough love, I think, is required. Um you you said you, that you uh you sort of delayed your entry into the hundred miler. Mm. What was the first one that you did though? So the very first one I did was one called Thames Path One Hundred right. by the lovely Centurion guys, and um, and I picked it, and I look back at myself thinking, what was I thinking? I picked it because I thought it was it was flat, and because it was flat, that would be easier. Mm. Oh, how little! <laughs> <laughs> and if you actually look at the finish times of Thames Path One Hundred, they're not too dissimilar to the finish times of South Downs Way One Hundred, which is considerably hillier. Yeah. And the, the reason is people go off quite fast. Yeah. Um, so that was my first hundred miler. Um, I mean, it was a fantastically organised race, and uh, and no regrets. And I I had a strategy which I. I stuck to, I think, till about mile 70 and then everything fell apart a little bit and then I pulled myself back together again. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I can vividly remember um, yeah. trying to quieten the voice in my head um, when I did the first mile. And I was thinking, 99 to go. And I was like, OK, shut up. No, stop. Yeah, yeah, don't, we're <laughs> not just, counting these do down. Not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is not happening. So I just, it's one day in my life. It's one day in my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember um, I think Robbie signed off his email to me when he was sort of taking apart my nutrition plan. He said, um, do you remember that um, Mike Tyson quote? Said Mike Tyson said in, in boxing, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and he said, running a hundred miles is basically like getting punched repeatedly in the face. Robbie, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, sure. Robbie's right. He was the one I went to for my uh, track, twenty-four uh, oh, cool. hour track yeah. race. Yeah. And he was he had some very sage words. And basically, you know, he said, he said, when when the death march comes, if it comes, just keep marching, march, 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 march like hell, you know. And he's absolutely right. He said, if you're going to walk, walk as fast as you can. And it's yeah. absolutely um, brilliant advice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but there's a lot of tactical. I mean, this is all the the great thing about the hundred miler is that you have to be good at that you have to be good at the walking right you have to be good at i think it's it's a this is why it's a brilliant test because you have to be fit enough mm. to to get through the distance your body has to be capable um you have to be good at walking you have to uh, know how to manage your body and understand your body um and then mentally you need to be strong as well so it really mm. is um it really is the most brilliant challenge yeah i remember in um Matt Fitzgerald wrote a book called uh, How Bad Do You Want It? Yeah. It's a terrible title for a very good book, I think. Um, <laughs> and he said that marathon running was a test not only of you as an athlete, but you as a person. Mm. And I think that's probably even more true, actually, with mm. 100 miles, actually. It's a real test of, like, character. Mm. Yeah. Do you, have a, do you have a plan of, what, like, walk the up? Yeah, yeah. Run, run the flat and then, you know, that, that's roll loose, the down. That's loosely, <laughs> that's loosely the plan, yeah, definitely. Okay. Any kind of, anything that's vaguely hilly, I'll, I'll walk. Yeah. And I haven't got any um, ego tied up with... Walking, and if I have to walk the last twenty miles, but but like you'll be saying, surprised. Yeah. You'll be surprised, actually. So my very first one, I was I thought I was ready in the death march uh, zone, yeah. for, and I did that overnight, and I thought that was me marching it in, and then um, and then I, I just started. I thought I'm just going to see what happens. I started running, and I started running, and actually I felt it was no more or less painful yeah. <laughs> than the walking. Yeah. So I started running, um, yeah. and then the more I ran, I sort of felt it gave me a bit more, more energy. Mm. So. Um, 
it's definitely worth trying a and then my last one the keys one I did a run walk strategy which I stuck to religiously because it was a very flat race yeah right um, which right. was increasingly difficult but again when I thought I couldn't actually run mm. I could run yeah so. good <laughs> encouraging um when picking a debut um ultramarathon or 100 miler what are some of the things that you you should consider um, I think, well, I mean, why you want to do it is the first thing. And if mm. you want to have a new experience, then perhaps pick somewhere which is a, a place where you want to, to go and visit. But there's whatever suits you in your running up to that point. Some people like really big races and those big sort of city marathons. Mm. And maybe you want a really, really big ultra marathon and have the crowd around you and lots of wonderful big checkpoints to, yeah. to get towards. Or, you know, you might want to pick a much more low key race where, you know, you can go a bit more under the radar and mm. have, a, have a, a smaller group of camaraderie. For me, the first one I picked was one which had purely based on my own ability at the time, no cutoffs. So I could. Right. Oh, <laughs> so I, I thought, Do you know, what? I can run through. I know I can run a marathon, and then I thought I could just walk it in. You know, um, and it turns out actually I did a whole run walk thing. So um, picking a race that that suits you, and I would strongly say uh, uh, drag somebody else with you for the adventure, because because yeah. having a sort of running partner in this in that sort of situation mm. really can be encouraging. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we've got blisters sleep deprivation yeah. and exhaustion is it worth it do you know what i have to say i mean let me know if you hallucinate because they're always fun oh sorry uh, we left that we left that out yeah. oh did you oh yeah no you have to hallucinate yeah, yeah. It, um do you know what i have to say in all of the running i've done i've done i've done a lot of races and um nothing literally nothing compares to the feeling of waking up the next day having done a 100 miler in terms of um, satisfaction mm. and just elation. I mean, absolutely. You'll be buzzing. You'll mm. be buzzing for at least a week, if not two weeks. It's the, it's the biggest race high you'll have. And it's because, you know, you're, I think your body's just naturally relieved it's over. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're kind of broken. But if you if you just absorb what you've done, mm. yeah. it's, it's huge. And I've never had the feeling I've had from a race other than when I've run 100 miles. It's just, it's extraordinary. It's absolutely totally worth it and please think about that think about that it is the most extraordinary feeling mm. it's the most extraordinary feeling and it is an extraordinary thing so I'm really really looking forward yeah, to yeah I think it's costly I, I, I want to join the club 100% want to do it and you, I, I, I love the will. North Downs way so if I'm going to do it somewhere it's, it's going to be there so uh, thank you so much for coming on you're welcome good luck next week yeah thank you very much cheers this is the Runner's World Podcast Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A topic for discussion, Rick. Yep. That has received uh, a mixed bag of reactions was the story of Luke Trainer testing positive for cocaine and facing a four-year ban. He's a GB athlete. If mm. anyone who hasn't who hasn't seen this. Um, Obviously, there's always a justified, justified amount of noise when a doper is caught, but I kind of feel like there's no performance benefit. Is being banned for mm. something very, very silly justified? Yeah. Well, it should be looked at as different than doping. Yeah. I, I don't think of him as a as a doper. No. Really. I, I think as an athlete, I would argue you're supposed to be a role model to take in illegal drugs, obviously. you know, It's not cool. Hugely irresponsible. But four years, you know, equally does that feel like quite... A lengthy ban for a, a drug that isn't t- taken, regardless of how stupid that it was, as a kind of performance enhancer, possibly. I don't know. It's, it's, it's part of the human side of me makes me feel sorry for him, and then the other side makes me think, well, you should do better because you're an athlete. You know, rightly, athletics is um, is worried about drugs, right? Yeah, for sure. And within the within drugs, there are drugs that are, are performance enhancing. Everyone, you know, thinks that's you get caught doing that. I think actually the 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 bands should be probably life with with that and and you know yeah. there, oh, yeah. there are still runners running who have been caught um who are now back competing now back competing yeah yeah for sure but this is this does feel different to that yeah I'd be interested to know what our, our listeners have to to think do you think that Luke Trainer should be banned for for four years for testing positive for cocaine or do you think there's a more lenient response to be taken into ca- to account given that this isn't a performance enhancing drug hmm. podcast at runnersworld.co.uk this is the Runner's World Podcast. Tell you what, Ben. Yeah. In this month's magazine, we did a quick poll on running humble brags. Oh. So if you're, if you're unfamiliar with the term. <laughs> if you're a runner, you've humble bragged. Yeah. That's it. It's, uh, it can be defined as an ostensibly modest or self-deprecating statement whose actual purpose is to draw attention to something of which one is proud. We had a few readers... Um, Writing in, and Pauline Lane spotted a good one on Instagram, which is a hotbed of humble bragging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Says, uh, I've always wanted to intentionally run an ultra from the back. I wanted to see and feel what it was like for the people coming last. God, that's not even <laughs> humble. It's just rude. <laughs> uh, over in triathlon land, uh, Marianne Mahadavan uh, spotted this on a training forum. Thanks for adding me. My last Ironman was 2012, so I'm practically a newbie. Got it. <laughs> God, but I, uh, I spotted. I'm one. so experienced, yet so new to this. <laughs> yeah. Got it. I spotted one this morning, which is courtesy of um, ultra runner Gary Robbins, and uh, he wrote um, on Instagram again. So yesterday, I, I did a thing, a thing I haven't done in a very long time. I ran a trail race, and then I did another thing that I haven't done in an even longer time. I won and set a new course record. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was Gary's own race as well. Oh, Gary. Should you win, Should you be winning your own races? I don't know. Apparently he's well, a I very, very can, nice guy. I so. think you can win your own races. I just don't think you need to phrase it in such a humble braggy way. <laughs> yeah. um, have you heard any good running humble brags? Send them in. I will read them out. Podcast at runnersworld.co.uk This is the Runner's World Podcast. It's that time of the week again, folks. His finger's on a button, his ears to the ground. He's done a bit of Googling and he's had a nose around. He's a detective 
wearing running shoes. Carry McCarthy and his weekly running news. <laughs> we are delighted once again to be joined by Kerry McCarthy, Runners World's own running detective, to bring us some of the latest running news. Welcome, Kerry. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Good, good. Very well. Very well. So this week, uh, I'm going to kick off with the interview that I did with Paula Radcliffe at the weekend, which will be out in the November issue of the magazine. Um, so yeah, I travelled up to Durham at the weekend to have a chat with Paula, um, uh, quite a wide-ranging chat, but the reason uh, I mentioned it and the reason she was there was that she started a, an initiative called Families on Track, which is aimed at getting families exercising together. It was hooked onto Runfest Durham, which is an annual running festival, right. uh, partially put on by Steve Cram. And Paula's idea was an event that families enter in up to teams of five, um, preferably, obviously, multi-generational kids and parents and possibly grandparents too, if they're still active. And the idea was that you would run 10K cumulatively as a team. And the way they did this, it was quite quite nicely done, actually. They had three tracks, which are essentially kind of concentric circles, like ripples on a pond. Right. The, the inner loop was 250 metres. The middle one was 500. And the outer one was, was a kilometre. Right. And so you could work out in advance, okay, we'll get the little one running a lap mm. of the 250 metre. They come in, they hand over one of the grown-ups, maybe does 1,000 metres. And however you do it, you have to complete 10K between you, uh, which I thought was quite a nice yeah, idea. Yeah, nice. it's good. Nice, yeah. yeah. Um, there seems to have been some rapid teams there. There were there were 100 teams registered. And it was, at, you know, I'm sure as people remember, it was fairly poor weather at the weekend all <laughs> over the country and it was absolutely tipping it down at there. But 95 out of the 100 teams still turned up, which I thought oh, was, was a bit of a result. Yeah. Um, the winning team time was 34 minutes wow. for a family. Yeah. Um, it's, wow. un it's unclear you know, what, what ages they all were, but that's still pretty rapid. Yeah, yeah. And to yeah. put it in context, Paula's own family, so Paula, her 12-year-old daughter Isla, uh, who knocks out 5Ks pretty quickly, her 8-year-old yeah. son Rafa, uh, and Paula's dad, who got her into running in the first place, they only came third in a time of 40 minutes. So can wow. you imagine for those two teams that, that beat the Radcliffe's? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ultimate. This kind of running dynasty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah amazing. Uh, Paula's hope is that it will, you know, this will become a bit more widespread. It's only ideally going to be hooked onto kind of festivals mm. and weekend long events because logistically with those numbers of people, a bit too difficult to do a standalone yeah. event. Yeah. Um, if you want to find out more about it, at the moment, I think they're still working on uh, an actual Families on Track website. But if you go to durhamcityrunfestival.com, it has all the information on there and you can have a workout. You can work out if you want to kind of keep an eye out for your own family, if, the, if it comes to a city near you. But I think it's a great way yeah. of getting yeah. families just kind of, you know, as Paula said, you know, it gives you more confidence, improves your fitness, better mental health, all that kind of thing. I wonder if a podcast family like our own could have a go at this 10k see what we could do, do are you, you uh, who, who are going to be the children and who are going to be the grown-ups <laughs> well, we, we can work that we out. would be a family of children <laughs> can we all do the inner loop yeah, yeah indeed uh next up it is the launch of the nike joyride run fly niche um every year nike normally have at least one big launch they've already had the next percent shoe launching this year which uh elliot kipchoge wore for his uh, record-breaking time in london and which i wore for my pb oh, at the edinburgh marathon so oh, i would say oh, wow. you know which one holds more merit <laughs> yeah, tonight the, 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 the cachet is unparalleled <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's that is a shoe aimed at going very very quickly the joyride is diametrically opposite to that it's it's specifically aimed at easy and recovery runs 
Um, if you Google it, it's now all over the internet, so you mm. can nerd out on the details as much as you want. But broadly speaking, instead of having a strip of midsole foam, Nike have uh, packed the midsole in, in four different pods with thousands and thousands of, of TPE beads, basically. And the idea is that they shift the shape of your foot. There's no sock liner, removal right. sock liner, in between the beads and your foot, um, so that you can kind of feel them and then it adapts to your own kind of like biomechanics the idea is that obviously you have less impact force less load going through your legs so if you've done your long run on a sunday this is a shoe that you would use to knock out a recovery run on a monday rather than maybe saying have a complete rest day yeah um our review of it is up on the website runnerswell.com slash uk right um, i think it's you know as as is often the case with nike they kind of They've imagineered quite well and come up <laughs> with something that that you know may mm. well turn out to be pretty useful. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and it can be overlooked, can't it? Recovery, you know, the kind of the sub two marathon shoe. You know, everyone gets excited about that, but recovery is such an important part of a, a runner's week. It's good to have a shoe that actually is is tailored for that. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, indeed. And finally, uh, Tokyo medals for the Olympics next year. It is almost exactly uh, one year until the 2020 Olympics. And uh, this is also a story that we have up on our website currently. Um, but I noticed that uh, the medals are all recycled. Um, it's one of a number of initiatives that the Tokyo organisers have taken uh, for next year. That Last year, they put out a competition um, for people to design the medals. I think they got over 400 entries, which seems surprisingly small to mm, me. Yeah, would you would think thousands and thousands of people <laughs> would want to have their name on that. Anyway, a Japanese designer called Yunichi Kawanishi uh, was chosen for the 5,000-odd medals that are going to be made. I think they're pretty cool. Obviously, I can't describe them in a podcast, but do go and check them out. There's uh, Apparently, with Olympic medals, one side of it has to remain pretty standard so that it contains Nike, the goddess of victory, the city, the addition that it is. But the other side of it is always up for kind of a bit of changing around. Right. Either side of it. I think it's really cool. But what they've done to be environmentally friendly is they put a shout-out to the public, um, the public answered the call, and 78,985 tonnes of small electronic devices were collected from local authorities, and around 6.2 million used mobile phones from shops around the country. Yeah, so in total, uh, that extrapolates out to £70 of gold, 7,700-ish pounds of silver, and £4,850 of bronze. And it was, you know, phones, handheld consoles, yeah. iPads, all that kind of thing. Mm. Um I think, you know, with, with environmental running being, being increasingly more of a talking point, increasingly mm. important, I think it's great that Tokyo have taken a lead on that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. No worries. We'll see you uh, next week. Are we on holiday next week? I am on holiday for a couple of weeks, so listeners will be out my dulcet tones for a little while, but I shall be back in a couple of weeks' time. Well, we we'll look forward to seeing you then, Kerry. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, mate. This is the Runner's World Podcast. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. I'd like to say a huge thanks to our guests, Susie Chan, and to Number 8 Studios in Soho, where this was recorded. For more news, reviews, and interviews from the wider world of running, please head over to runnersworld.com UK. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, and thanks to Acast, our hosting partners. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.